You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shot blocked. Porzingis with his fourth rejection. What he does is contagious. He comes in fetches and across the lane. Baker launches it. Jack to Porzingis. Fires up the ball. Welcome everybody to Locked On Knicks, the podcast that's in the 99th percentile of explaining, complaining, and entertaining. I'm your host, James Marcita, aka Charles Toke. You my name is the NBA Injury Report on Twitter, and this is episode 324. Yo! <laughs> on today's episode, we're joined by the wonderful Alex Wolf, and we're debating a very important question, perhaps the most important question of our time, and that is this. If we were in an alternate reality, or on an alternate timeline, in which... Basketball does not exist. I know, very sad. If we're on that timeline, what then do our young Knicks do for a living? It's a question that Alex and I took very seriously. We're calling this episode uh, Knicks and Morty. Once again, that's Knicks and Morty, a very clever pun, based on the hit television series Rick and Morty, and if you're a fan of that show, you know that there are lots of alternate timelines and alternate realities. So that's kind of the thing that we're going for. We wound up talking for two hours, so this is going to be a four-part series. (laughs) I hope you like it. There will be one a week for the next four weeks. Two quick updates before we start the show. I'm putting together my list of great Knicks bars. That's bars where you go to watch the Knicks. If you have a Knicks bar anywhere in the world that you like, that you think I should know about, that your fellow Knicks fans should know about, please email me or send me some information on Twitter. We've got another exciting update. We have a phone number now. What? Isn't it 2018? Aren't phone numbers dead? Don't you just Instagram and WhatsApp and all that good stuff? Well, yeah, they are, sort of. But this is an easy way for me and you to talk. I want you to call this number. It's 929-377-5103 and leave voicemails. We're going to do voicemail bags. It's just like a mailbag, but you're using your voice. Your sweet, beautiful angel baby voice. And if I pick your voicemail bag question, I will play that voicemail on air, and then I'll respond to it. Once again, the number is 929-377-5103. First voicemail bag goes up this weekend if you guys have the courage to leave me some voicemails. I know it's sort of scary at first, but I think you can do it. All right, let's start it. Nicks and Morty, part one. What are these Nicks going to do for a living in an alternate reality where there is no basketball? Hit it, Marth! Yes! So the premise of today's show is that it's very simple. We're in an alternate timeline where basketball doesn't exist. Uh, extremely simple, right? The Nicks are more or less the same dudes that we know them to be today. Only the unthinkable has happened and there just is no basketball But, you know, we love our guys, we want to support them, we want to make sure that they live their best lives, even in this scary alternate timeline. So we're here today to pick jobs for them 
in this alternate timeline. And I guess we're calling the segment Nicks and Morty. Are we going with that, Alex? Oh, yeah. I, I love that idea because it's a great show, and it's a show that is all about alternate timelines. It so it's, um, I'm down with it. It's a concept. Of course, talking about, sorry. Talking about Rick, Rick and Morty is the show yes. that we're referencing here, which is a show that follows a uh, crazy scientist grandpa and his kind of his kind of doofy uh, grandson who's also kind of brilliant sometimes in his own ways um, going on adventures through the multiverse and they run into different uh, dimensional versions of themselves and things of that nature all the time so, so that's that's where so it is. if this show is called Nixon Morty um, does that make us Morty? Sure, yeah. Because it makes more sense if we're Rick, but, you know, dragging them through the universe, showing them what's going on. So, all right, think about it this way. Think about it this way. Yeah. Uh, In this this scenario, I would say that um, Perry, Scott Perry and Steve Mills are Rick, and all the Nicks are their, their interdimensional grandchildren. You know, like, they're the Mortys. Right? That kind of makes sense. It makes perfect sense. It's infallible. I think we should just start. People are going to love it once we get into it. We're picking alternate jobs for our New York Knicks. We're going to start at the bottom of the food chain, according to me, with Emmanuel Moutier. What do you think Emmanuel Moutier's alternate job should be in this alternate timeline? So, I'm starting off pretty pretty strong here. Moutier took me the longest time to think up Uh of anybody on this list, but I think I came up with a pretty strong option. I think Emmanuel Moutier would be a professional con man. Oh. Such as such as uh Saul from Better Call Saul. Okay. When he is so I don't know if you're familiar with the show, right? But so it follows the lawyer from Breaking Bad and it basically shows how he himself broke bad to become like a seedy criminal lawyer who a criminal lawyer in the sense of he he himself is a criminal. Yes. Um I am and familiar. I've seen he, some episodes. Yes. So the way that he, so way that, the way that this lawyer kind of gets his start as a con man as a, and as a criminal is by being what's called slipping Jimmy, where he goes in the stores and he falls over and like pretends to hurt his back or whatever, and then he gets them to pay him off right then and there on the threat of legal action, basically. I see where you're going so, with this. I see. So, since Emmanuel Moutier is so skilled at falling over he on the back, he would be a perfect Slippin' Jimmy. So we'd call him Slippin' Manny or something like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Manny, call him whatever. Manny, yeah, Manny's on his fanny. Uh, yeah, Manny on his fanny. Manny That's on good. His fanny. Yeah, there we go. So Manny on his fanny would be a professional con man. He'd go into stores, <laughs> fall on his ass, pretend he broke his butt bone, yes. and get get you know incremental bits of cash here and there, and, and get through life that way. Couldn't you see uh, Manny on his fanny in one of those like Russian dashboard cams that like, when they try to like fake getting hit by the car, and there's lava yes. down in the road? Couldn't you? Just yeah. See him? yeah. <laughs> He'll be trying to bob and weave through traffic, and then pretend <laughs> to get hit and just go flying. Just like he bobs and weaves through the lane. It would be perfect. It's perfect. It is perfect. Um, I had I took a little bit of a different tack with this one. Um, it's not... I think people should know this is not representative of the rest of my picks. I had the hardest time with Moutier and perhaps had my weirdest um, 
suggestion, but just bear with me. Bear with me, if you will. In my alternate timeline, Emmanuel Moutier is a cobbler, someone who fixes shoes, and he realizes that when he puts his customer's shoes on, he becomes his customer's for as long as he's wearing their shoes. Um, You may recognize this as the plot to the smash hit Adam Sandler film, The Cobbler, but I think... I could just see... Couldn't you see Emmanuel just, like, going for the ride of his life in a madcap caper starring Dustin Hoffman as his uh, estranged father? Have you ever seen The Cobbler? Would be my first question for you, Alex. I was was actually literally just about to ask you if that's actually a real movie or not, because I've never heard of that. And I felt like I've seen most of Adam Sandler's catalog at this point. Uh Uh-huh. He actually becomes Method Man at one point. Um... Sort of, sort of a, <laughs> what? a highlight of the film, yeah, because Method Man goes and gets his shoes cobbled, you know. Okay, okay. My, I guess my better question is, why is this Emmanuel Moutier? <laughs> this is one of those ones where it's not really, like, based on information from his Wikipedia page, but it's just me, you know, using my intuition and staring into the soul of who Emmanuel Moutier is. Maybe it's because I feel like Emmanuel Moutier is still trying to find himself, and by exploring the psyches of other people, he's going to find out what really makes him Emmanuel Moutier. You know what I mean? I, I get the feeling that you were working from home today. You smoked a big dupe, went out and stared at the sun for a couple hours, and came up with this one. I'm not technically allowed to comment on any of that. Um, <laughs> but NBA insiders do suggest there may be some truth to that rumor. There is some smoke. There's some fire where that smoke is. And there's smoke <laughs> and fire. Let's move on to Mitch Robinson. Pardon the interruption for just a moment, but I'd like to remind you guys that you are listening to Locked On Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, I've got one that makes a lot more sense. I don't see how anyone could quibble with the job I have for Mitch Robinson and his alternate timeline. Uh, very straightforward. Mitchell Robinson is a performer... In Cirque du Soleil. Mm. Yeah. So I think it allows him to show off uh, his otherworldly athleticism, but also his artistic side. He strikes me as a guy. He's got kind of a, he's got a soft center. I think he followed some bad advice in not going, you know, to college and working on his NBA game. I think he's a trusting type person. Cirque du Soleil, you've got to trust the other performers with you. It's high stakes. You're jumping around. You're flying in the air. He's, as we know, he's not very earthbound. His second leap is unique. I think that'll help him in his Cirque du Soleil performance. And I see him eventually just really excelling in this role and becoming maybe the principal choreographer. Not just a performer, but the, the principal choreographer for Cirque du Soleil. Maybe for uh, like a Whitney Houston-themed show. You know how they have a Beatles one? But he's going to do the choreography... <laughs> For Whitney Houston one, kind of capitalizing off the recent success of a handful of Whitney Houston documentaries that have come out in the past year. Um, I think anyone who's honest with themselves will listen to this and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. That was, yeah, that was, I, I could definitely see that. That's, I feel like you just sort of like massively outclassed me on this one for sure. <laughs> Get ready for it, Alex, because there's more where that came from in the so. So my my Mitchell Robinson is, I just man, I just think his his stature and his athleticism uh-huh. that he has just makes me think that he would just be like 
in someone's entourage who's like not tall who wants a token tall person <laughs> that can do token tall person yes. things for them so i kind of just imagine mitch was someone like i mean as much as I, I despised him but i could totally see him needing someone like this in his life i could see him being in like floyd mayweather's entourage mm-hmm. who's like super short and I could see just wanting to have a ton of tall people around him just to, to got, I don't know. I've got someone better makes... we can pair him with. Someone like that you okay. might not find as odious anyway. Um, okay. I okay. feel you on, on uh, I, I do feel you on Mayweather. Like he would definitely for sure put him in there. But if we don't want to sentence him to a life spent with an alleged domestic abuser, um, let's go with, how about Peter Dinklage? Okay. Okay. I'm down with that. So that's cool. So, so then Mitch is in Peter Dinklage's entourage. Yes. And he is his token tall person. He has to get tall things for him. He can jump high enough to hit a jumper a foot and a half out of someone's hand. Uh-huh. So clearly he's got the hops that you need for this to do tall people things. But I just feel like he would be like, I don't know, he seems like a very laid back dude too, which makes me think that he would be a great like entourage type person. Like, sure. you know, he's not going to oppose you really. He's cool with just, you know, being along for the ride. But, th- you know, think... he also does some cool shit. Yeah, totally. I mean, he could definitely grab, you know, like, cans for him off supermarket shelves. <laughs> um, I yeah, actually, people... <laughs> I never feel better. Like, it feels really great when someone asks you to reach for something in the supermarket. It happened to me the other day. And I was like, yes, I uh, will. Dude, it happens to me all the freaking time. And, like, honestly, if I could make a career out of it, I would. Because it gives you a very <laughs> nice feeling when you get something down for somebody. I see like, these jobs coexisting. Like Cirque du Soleil, maybe is half the year, but he's like, "Look, I don't um, want to, you know, I love performing, but I can't do it all the time, or I'll burn out, you know. But I do need to make money, so I'll be in the entourage for half the year." Um, one image that I do want to leave our listeners with is when you think about Mitchell Robinson performing in Cirque du Soleil. Picture him sort of hanging from, you know, like beautiful fabric from the ceiling, and like twisting his body around if you've ever seen that kind of performance that's what i'm picturing for mitch rob really extending it's <laughs> just some beautiful pushing lines. it doing like the doing the free form thing where he's like rolling himself up in the fabric yes. in the air uh-huh. yeah yeah those Dude. are really cool shows right i've, I've been to stuff like that oh before. have you i've never been to a cirque i've been to i've been to the beatles one my mom wanted to take me to that because she loves that show um and I saw one. How many other... times has she seen it? Oh God, she's probably over a dozen at this <laughs> point. <laughs> so does your family go to Vegas every year? Yeah, my mom and my stepdad go to Vegas like every year, and I and I swear they've actually gone to see it multiple times on like a single one week trip before too, because she's just <laughs> oh like God. that obsessed with that stuff. No, when you like something, you like it. You know. Yeah, I mean, when you really, really like it, you really, really it's, like it. I it, didn't. Honestly, I liked it. I thought it was like good and whatever, but I, I don't. I didn't necessarily think it was like the greatest thing I'd ever seen. You don't want to see it twelve times. No, no. I was fine with one. That was good for me. There was an amazing. Do you remember the Broadway musical Cats? Cat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, this is a little bit. Actually, I did see. I did see that one time actually really? too when I was a kid. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was an amazing TV commercial. I don't know if you remember this, where there was this grown man, I think by himself. He didn't seem like he was with kids. Who's like, it's incredible, I've seen it nine times now. And the whole time the cat's <laughs> melodramatic music is playing in the background. It's like uh-huh. It was like now and forever. 
at the Winter Garden Theater. It was all melodramatic. <laughs> that was a beautiful rendition, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> Should we move on to our next Knickerbocker? Yeah, I, th- I think we've summed up Mitch pretty well. I will just say this about Mitch real quick. I feel like I don't know him quite well enough for this yet either, which is why I sort of threw him in the box of like just being a tall, athletic person. Yeah. Because he's pretty quiet so far. I feel like as he comes into himself a little more and we learn more about him, maybe we should revisit this some Absolutely. other time. That's kind of where yeah. I'm going with the Cirque du Soleil. I think he's got something in there yeah. that needs to be unlocked that we haven't seen. Yeah. yeah. He definitely does. He needs to express right. himself. Yeah, for sure. But yes, yeah, so I'm ready. Let's talk about Lance Thomas. You want me to introduce our next, yeah. our next guy? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right, you want me to do it? Yep, you start. Oh, okay, so I'm being very on the nose here, but it's literally because I can't see Lance doing anything other than this one thing uh-huh. if he wasn't playing basketball. Lance Thomas would be uh, a Bassmaster Elite Series angler. Yeah. Out on the lakes and the oceans, mm-hmm. fishing for fishes and winning competitions because that man freaking loves to fish. He does. Uh, the backup would be he would be a dog trainer and probably a very good dog trainer mm-hmm. uh, because he's got dogs. He's got um, damn. I'm I'm awful with dog breeds. They're like the 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 big freaking dogs with the kind of pointy ears. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got he's got at least. Mastiff, maybe, or a. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. You can that, go. Are, are, are Dobermans like that? With Dobermans the, the are. Big ears, they're not like truly ears? massive, but they do have pointy ears and they're scary. Yeah. Well, so he's got he's got like some pretty pretty big dogs, you know that that he seems to really love and they really seem to love him and they seem well trained based off of his social media and oh, stuff. So he has a Doberman. I think that's confirmed. Cool. I nailed it. Okay, I By do know dogs. And toasting uh-huh. Joe Flynn. There we go. Sweet. I'm an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah. But now his main career, for sure, there's nothing he could be other than a pro bass fisher. Like, this dude, it, honestly, I'm surprised that he hasn't retired from the NBA yet to pursue being a pro bass fisherman in this reality, let alone another reality. It is a little so, shocking. It's so easy to picture him in those fisherman sunglasses that have the metal sort of, uh, like, thread behind it that holds it on your face, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I went, I basically went with that, but extended it just a bit. I'm thinking that you're probably right. You're probably more accurate. He would just fish all day long, but I'm saying maybe he gets a little bit restless with that, wants to expand his horizons just a bit, and he becomes an artisanal, like, jerky manufacturer. Not just beef, but, you know, fish. I think he hunts for all the meat. Whether it's fish, deer, however, he smokes it himself. He makes it in very limited quantities, but it's of the very highest quality. He's using, like, wood from the forests of North Carolina or something like that, if they have forests down there. You can't buy this stuff on Amazon, right? You've got to enroll each season like it's a CSA, but you also have to be approved. Like, Lance Thomas has to make sure that you're not going to waste his beautiful, delicious one-of-a-kind artisanal jerky. And it's it's more like getting uh, approved by a co-op board to live in a co-op building than just, like, strolling onto Amazon and be like, yeah, I want jerky. It doesn't work that way because this is premium shit, and Lance Thomas takes it seriously. Would would Lance Thomas ever sell out, though? Would he ever reach the point where he gets oh. a good buyout offer and or he gets an offer from someone to start mass-producing? Or would he be like, like the Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation of jerky? 
where he's like, I'm not mass producing this for anything. I make them how I make them. That's it. I don't care. You can give me $25 million and I will not accept it. I'm going to keep doing it the way I do it. I think what he might do, hmm, he might sell out, but then have kind of a premium line. Maybe it's called Lance Thomas Selects. Mm-hmm. And that's still made the old-fashioned way. The way that, you know, the Thomases have been making for generations. And also, by the way, he's in a blood feud with the Thomases who make English muffins. Um, they're sworn enemies. And So so is Lance like a third-generation jerky maker in your reality? I think, or, so. or I think is... that's what just happened, yeah. He, it's a family yeah. business that he's carrying on. Okay, okay. Yeah, and that's why All it's right. hard. I, I think, yeah. You know? Okay. Let's talk about Courtney Lee. I'm going to go... See, I had trouble with Courtney Lee. I don't have a great, like, handle on who Courtney Lee is. But for some reason, this is more along the lines of my Emmanuel Moutier call. I see a divorce lawyer for Courtney Lee. I think it's practical. I think Courtney Lee is practical. I think it's sort of a downer. I think Courtney Lee is sort of a downer. I feel like in this alternate reality, Courtney Lee will want to wear a tie. I'm not, not necessarily a jacket, but a tie. Maybe a short sleeve button up and a tie. I feel like he just wants to get home at the end of the day so he can watch his stories. He's recorded them on DVR. He's not putting in the extra work. He's not killing himself at all hours of the day. It annoys you a little bit because... You know, you're getting divorced, and you're like, aren't you going to look out for my interests accordingly? He's like, what do you want from me? I'm a budget, I'm a discount divorce lawyer. Leave me alone. I think he eats a lot of TV dinners. I think he drinks a glass of white wine every night. And he's got a little bit of a dad bod in this alternate reality. He lets himself go just a little bit. All right. I, well, we clearly went totally different on this one. Except for, I guess, sort of, there's one common thread. Okay. But there's... Very, very different interpretation of Courtney Lee. Mm. So my interpretation of Courtney Lee, the man, is that he's very, very no-nonsense. He's all about business. He's uh, he's just, you know, he doesn't want to fuck around. Like, he's, he, you know, no bullshitting with him. And that's kind of how he's conducted himself on the Knicks. So in that regard, I saw him as becoming a police officer. Oh, so dark. But he's... I don't think it's dark. I mean, there are good police officers out there. I'm not going to touch and, this one. Let's keep going. And that is and that is precisely the type of police officer that I would see Lee being. Mm. He's the type that he's uh, he's incorruptible, but he also questions authority when he knows that he's right. So he'll never take a bribe, but he also will tell his captain that he's full of shit when he's full of shit. Oh, so he's Serpico. Um, he's what? Have you seen Serpico? You probably haven't. Yep. I've not. You're too busy watching that anime. Kids these days. This is. I'm talking to the listener now. You guys, I, <laughs> don't let this happen to you. You see this right now? Serpico. It's a classic. One of Pacino's finest. Probably one of his last before he really went off the rails. About a New York cop who will not be corrupt when every other New York cop is. Okay. And he's yeah, kind of a hippie. Is. And he, he's his own guy. And he dresses funny. And he's got long hair. And uh, yeah, that's Serpico. Well, this sounds very similar to Courtney Lee then. So maybe that was somehow implanted in my brain. Um, for what it's worth, though, I'm not the anime nerd here, okay? You don't you don't be confusing me with Scooter. Scooter's right? the king of anime nerds, but you're in his fiefdom, I feel like. I, 
I watch a couple, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not like I'm not like an anime dude. I know of them. I watch them late night on Adult Swim on Saturdays, you know, when there's nothing else on. You know a lot about there's one of them. There's at least one show that you know all the mythology. Maybe one of Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. So uh-huh. is this is this yeah. because I'm too old for it? Is this just a thing that people your age, like everyone watched? Yeah, dude, Dragon Ball Z was huge. And I mean what's funny is I didn't even really get into it when I was a kid. I got into it like in college because one of my my friends was watching it, like rewatching it. I think that makes and, it worse, uh, though, right? That makes it worse. You mean that like for you, make it worse for, you, for, for me? You. Like <laughs> op- as far as optics go, yeah, yeah. probably because you know it's like a grown man that got into a kid show. Yeah. But I don't really care, man. Judgment free zone. It's like Planet Fitness, right? You know, I watch I'm what just, I watch. I'm not judging. I just I think I'm world famous for presenting. You know, all possibilities in an argument. That's yeah. all I'm doing here. Yeah. yeah. But, know? yeah, anyway. It's a nuanced conversation so, we've got going on over here. You know what I mean? There's no... There's shades of gray here. It's not just black and white. For far too long, NBA podcasts that talk about alternate timeline jobs, you know, for players, they've been too black and white, and we're here to change all that. So, <laughs> that, that's 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 what I'll say about that. Do you have anything more to say about Courtney Lee being a cop? No, no, just, you know, like I said, he's, he's, he's by the book, but he'll speak his mind, which I think bears out how he's been on the Knicks too, because he wasn't afraid to like yell at Jeff Hornacek back in the day, mm-hmm. but he's also kind of, you know, he's, he's kind of just also your like classic role player that does what's needed of him and kind of keeps a straight focus. So, yeah. Joe Noah. Cool. I'm going to start with Joe. Do you mind? Okay. Oh this, yeah, of course. Yeah, this one's this one's pretty obvious, but I just can't see anything else at this point. Um, Joakim Noah, in our alternate timeline, owns a zipline business in the Costa Rican jungle. Are you familiar with like jungle ziplining? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've done it like three or four times. It's oh, a lot you? of fun. Where have you done it? Uh, let's see. I did it once in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Uh, when I was like 12, I think. Um, it's like there's a second time that I'm forgetting about. I think I think I've done it three times, but I'm, I'm blanking on the second one right now. And then the the third one most recently was out in Missouri, out by my dad lives in Missouri, and so he saw that there was like a zip lining place, and it was actually pretty fun. It was like over a river and like through some big tall trees and stuff. It was pretty. Going ziplining in Missouri sounds like the premise of a great horror movie. A nice indie horror flick. It's low yeah. budget. You, you <laughs> fall off and like fall through the roof of an old cabin and then fall through that. The yes. floor of that is a dank basement where you can't get out. And it's like someone's being tortured and they're like, mm-hmm. they're being gagged. And then they're like trying yeah. to like let you know. And there's a farmer behind you and he clocks you over the head with a shovel. And then you wake up and you're on the wall next to this person, right? Yep. And then it's called Missouri Zipline Massacre. <laughs> he preys on specific <laughs> just just fallen zipliners. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, it's funny. Like they only have maybe two zipline appointments a day, and the first one is always the one that they just like they have a hole in the zipline where you fall into the guy's dungeon. Oh, purpose. so this is an inside job in this. It's movie. an inside job. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was assuming he was only picking off, like, actual accidents. No, no. It's because otherwise they'd catch on pretty quick, I think. He wants to keep well, it going. They, that's true. He's and they a do sustainable make it zipline farmer. 
they make it almost impossible to to truly fall off one of those zip lines if you've ever done it. They have you like they have you lock on to like four different actual cables like safety wise. So like even if like three cables break, you're still being held up in the air by something. They get you going pretty fast, right? Yeah, some of them you get up to like 20, 25 miles an hour, something like that. Woo! That's flying. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's pretty quick. It's, it's quick, but it's also sort of relaxed. I feel like Joakim Noah, you know, you guys have all seen the photos of him with his weird uh, blonde beard and the bandana around his long hair. I feel like he was in a jungle in that. So there's not too much of a stretch here, but we know he's a free spirit. We know he likes the outdoors. Um, I feel like much like someone who runs a zipline company... Joakim Noah might kind of steal your wife if you're not too careful. You know, he'll be sort of like cracking little jokes while he's putting the harness on. She's like, ooh, you know what I mean? Uh, and also, I think he wears a shirt that's open all the time, like a short sleeve shirt that's unbuttoned, and he drinks a lot of rum in this scenario. Yeah, that's, I can see that. That's how I see it. I can see Noah as a rum drinker for sure. He kind of looks like a pirate in his current Right. Version of himself. He sort of has that like uh, Jack Sparrow look about him in a way. And rum's like, very tropical. Like it, it goes well with fruity drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I see I see Joakim Noah as more of a just a vagabond. Like mm-hmm. he just he just explores and like maybe you meet him. He's very very friendly, a little strange, very insightful. You know, he seems to know about everything, a little bit of everything about everything. Uh, yeah. Has all, all kinds of sage advice for you. And maybe you see him a few times and then you won't see him for a long time and then you'll see him again. And you kind of just wonder what the hell this guy does and where he gets all the money to continue traveling. But you never really figure it out with him. <laughs> um, and no, somehow he's the perfect, he kinda... mysterious, rich dude. You're like, how is this asshole not at work right now? Yeah, and he, he just constantly reeks a B.O., you know, but, like, he also seems like he takes care of himself, you know, so he doesn't seem like he's, like, a hobo. He's a vagabond. It's very it's a very specific, you know, subset. Like, he's he doesn't really have a home, but he seems to be able to find a home anywhere. So See, I, I think these mingle again. This is kind of like our Mitchell Robinson one. You have the earlier, the younger Joakim in this timeline and I have when the vagabond settles down he starts a zipline business that's like the closest he can get to me yeah because what other what other type of business would a vagabond really get into you know maybe like uh, organic uh, organic hemp bracelets maybe something like that he makes hemp bracelets and travels to art shows and sells them like out of the back yeah Yeah, that's maybe something I can see him getting into maybe that's how he pays to be a vagabond is he sells hemp bracelets out of the back of his van at art shows, something like, like that. It. But he's good. Like you could laugh all you want, but like he's got lots of cool hemp bracelet designs. He's really he has like interesting knots that he ties or whatever. You know what I mean? Puts like some cool looking beads in. He finds rocks you that he finds on beads. the riverbed. Yes, they're from his travels, and they have different energies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they might mm-hmm. even have a little healing element to them. Like in a in a weird yeah in a weird sort of way where you can't really he tells you it's gonna heal you you have no way to prove it but you put it on and suddenly you feel kind of better yeah mm-hmm. mm-hmm and maybe you can just kind of yeah feel his him like smiling at you when you're wearing it you kind of you think back to when you bought and it. and most importantly 
most importantly, he uses his master convincing skills to convince you that it's that it's good for you to wear it. <laughs> is this some? Uh, is this a dig at Joakim Noah's contract? I won't have that. Ooh, it's possible. I, I actually, I actually wasn't even thinking of that, but that might have been where my mind was going with that. Yeah, and maybe that's where, my, like, maybe my zipline thing subconsciously came from him saying he could that Phil Jackson could hang off his arm, like someone hanging off his arm is sort of like hanging off a zipline. There's something there. There's something. If only we could figure out how our our synapses make these connections when we're thinking of these bullshit things for a podcast about alternate reality jobs. Ladies and gentlemen, the off-season. Let's talk about Luke Cornett. So that was it. Part one is in the books. What's Frank going to do? What's Kevin Knox going to do in this alternate reality? You're going to have to listen to parts two through four to find that out. Woo! Now might be a good time to thank you guys so much for listening to Locked On Knicks. If you got a moment, rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the show if you have not already. Tell your friends about the sensation that is Locked On Knicks. If you have not already, tell your friendly neighborhood Cirque du Soleil performer about Locked On Knicks if you have not already. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Knicks for bonus takes and general camaraderie. At NBA Injury Report for jokes, jokes, jokes. Be chill to each other. It's easier said than done, but please try. Spay and new to your pets. No excuses. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it right down. Save the planet. Always salt the pasta water. It's your only chance to season the pasta. And take that, take that, take that. Data. Peace.